You are listening to the Firecracker Podcast with Tony Rico. All right. Good morning or good afternoon, whenever you might be listening to this. We've got, I like to call you our resident expert. I don't know why that just is the term that comes in. You, you, wear, you wear so many hats, but we've got Amanda Fried Kachka in the uh, studio with us again, and it's been a little while. So we've got some things to catch up on. Um, uh, first, I think I want to start off with a I want to know how motherhood is doing because I've been seeing some pictures of Addie on the on the soccer field. So yeah, tell me what's happening. Motherhood is awesome. It's tough, but there Addison's hitting that age where she totally gets it. Like she's got a little adult mind, and so she's witty and she's funny. And um, you've waited so, a few years for this yeah. to get to this point. <laughs> yeah, and we started sports, and I thought, okay, we're in it, you know. And she is just not. She's not interested. Really? Well, I mean, she's just not competitive. Okay. You know? But she's right. st- it's starting to click a little, but she's young. So um, she's playing soccer? Yes. Right? So what is that like? I mean, does she, is she does, so by not being super competitive, is she just kind of following the ball? She's kind of following kids or what's her, tell yeah, me what her, what she... doesn't follow the ball. Nope. Just kind of follows birds and kids at the playground or whatever else is around and, uh-huh. um, she scored her first goal last week, and it was in front of her, and she did a couple dribbles and kicked it in, and I think she walked the final 15 minutes of the game. Like that was She was done. and um, No, yeah, she the attention span at that age is just... There's got to be some great compilation videos, because I just watched one of uh, like kids playing t-ball. The kid will hit it. One kid will walk to first base real slow. <laughs> Another kid will hit the ball off the tee and go get the ball. Yeah. And there's so there's got to be some pretty funny soccer yeah, compilation. Definitely, and pretty funny things pretty that fun. you've seen. Yeah. So Jack goes and watches Big Sister and. Yep, he got, he's. I think he's going to be my little. He gets it already. I think he's always been really like feisty and aggressive, uh-huh. and he's. A little Did you want to run on on the field with him? And oh yeah, is this indoor or outdoor? Uh, outdoor, but I did find a good little indoor place, which I think is awesome. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to keep taking them over there at a little Sunday pickup league. Right. But yeah, right. they loved it. So how are you doing as sports mom? Ooh. Is um, it is it easy to disconnect from what you went through as a player and kind of sit back or do you find yourself getting, you know, being being a little mommy, being a little, I don't know, yeah, what's it like for you? I was thinking about this the other day and it's funny you brought it up because I started to write about it, like kind of blog about it because before when she was not interested, like she, there was no chance in the world she was ever going to score a goal. And we kind of got that in her mind. So we would be at home and we would practice how to high five her teammates when they would score goals. So she stayed involved right, and like, right. make sure you watch your team. When Stella scores a goal, run over there and give her a high five, tell her good job. You know, yeah. when she scored the goal, all of a sudden something changed. Like all of a sudden I thought, okay, she gets it. Yeah, we're on our way. And, right. you know, and all of a sudden on the car, you know, you talk about the car ride, but in the car ride, I wanted to be like, you scored that goal is awesome, but why did you walk? Like you got to keep, you know. Right, all of a sudden, right, the mindset right. switches from right, right. just cheer on your team, cheer on your teammates right. to you got to be better. Right. Keep going. <laughs> it's a, kind of a I natural. I catch thing. myself a lot. So yeah. how how comfortable are you? I mean, again, everything's young. She's very young, but do you find you are you enjoying the experience? You get a little like, anxiety. You get a, like, what's it like for you? Because you don't know how it's going to happen, right? It's going to come to you. And you you know, you learn some things, but what's it been like for you? It's been fun because I just, I feel like I'm learning a lot, yeah. you know, like I'm, I'm the assistant coach and I feel like that was probably a mistake because at the beginning she was always looking at me for, um, you know, direction right. and affirmation and, right. you know, am I doing well, like waving to me and, right. you know, instead of just sitting back and kind of letting Other her. Other kids doing that though as well, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, no, it's been fun. But I thought naturally we would go from fall soccer into spring softball and it was going to just go. And I think we're going to do dance in the spring. I just don't. All right. Yeah, I don't think we're ready. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's totally cool. Yeah. Um, so you started playing organized, what, soccer and softball yes. at the same time? Uh, yeah, about four, four or five. Four or five. Mm-hmm. So my older sister was just a little bit older than me, so I just kind of tagged along. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what um, what were you like? Pretty tenacious right away, or? I don't remember. No. Yeah. No, okay. I don't really remember. I don't think I was very tenacious. Right. Um, soccer. I remember walking. I remember walking in the bee. You know, the little what's that called? The beehive or the yeah. you know the swarm and. Um, I remember clearly there were girls much better than I was. Right. Um, Tony Mascarinas, do you remember uh-huh. her? I played uh-huh. with her. I think do I remember we were, her? Right. 
Well, yeah. not at that age, but <laughs> right. six U. I mean, she was. She was she already was Tony. Good. Yeah, she was really good. And I just remember thinking, yeah, we got the best She's team. She's kind of a ma- machine athlete and she pretty is. competitive, and, yeah. and still is in her coaching yeah. days right now, right? Yeah. Um, so, Addie's how old? Four and a half. Four and a half. Mm-hmm. She'll be eight before you know it. Oh, she already acts like it. How old were you when you? Uh, uh, did I meet you over at Dale's house for the first time? Was it Dale? Yeah, Ogden, I believe. I think so. Remember how yeah. old you were? Oh my gosh, twelve maybe, thirteen. I 12? think at least twelve. Yeah. I don't know if you were younger than that. Yeah. What do you remember? What do you remember about the lessons, or what do you remember about my backyard? Or this is going back just a couple years. Your ago, backyard folks. or Dale's? Yeah. Let's go to my backyard okay. since that was a little more of the ambient answer. Just how the lessons were. What do you remember from the lessons? I remember um, the baseballs, hitting baseballs. <laughs> okay. Remember? All right. You would throw them overhand. Okay. Um, I remember the relaxed You're opening up my, my, uh, my, my memory bank. Yeah. So definitely um, remember the wags. Yeah, I remember the wags. Um, I remember it was a short cage. Maybe mm-hmm. in my mind it was short, but it was a really short cage. Mm-hmm. So it was just kind of like a lot of little soft toss, front toss. Um, Did I have a little red pitching machine? I don't remember. First machine I ever had, it was called the Chucker. And it was, I don't know, it was probably a couple hundred bucks. And it sat uh, maybe two feet off the ground, had one wheel. Kind of, that, that's, that I was think the, I do remember that. That was the first thing that I progressed yeah. to. Okay, I think I, I remember. Say, I, I think remember I remember Stacy Newman hitting balls, uh, oh. that, like breaking the cage in half or, or yeah. something like that. But uh, I kind of wonder with everything that you have been through as an athlete and as a softball player, and uh, we won't get into this talk, but you know, uh, most of what went on in that cage was always relevant to whatever level you were playing at. But just there were so many different uh, evolutions of different teachings that you had. But what do you, do you remember about that experience? Because now I can I can simplify it into kind of like right brain, left brain stuff. I'm, I, I'm just a right brain guy. So everything was about games and where you're going to hit it and targets and things like that. Yeah. But, you know, but that was a long time ago. It I mean, was. Yeah. And so, yeah. so um, lots of things to talk about. We just watched the World Series. All right. Easy Dodger fans. I know. It's, it's, it's a rough one. But uh, the game's changed. You know, not good or bad, agree or disagree, but the game has changed. You know, probably the, one of the things that we've been hearing about that, you know, metrics have come into play, analytics. Uh, it's very data-oriented. Uh, what do you think about that? Like, what do you think about the decisions um, being made based on, would you say solely data, mostly data, it seems like? I mean, we're not the managers, but yeah, think about I- the age we're in. I don't know. It's hard for me to understand because I was never a numbers person. I never knew my batting average or my ERA or any of the, you know, I knew I hit better when I hit the first pitch versus when I went deeper into the count, like those kinds of. But. So let's stop that a second. Okay. I want everyone to hear that. All right. You you were very accomplished. You did everything that most softball players would ever dream about. And you just said you weren't aware of your batting average. You weren't aware of your ERA. And I just want people to let that sink in <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, because that's, I think that's unique. So part of that is just why you played the game. You played the game for the right reasons, mm-hmm. right? And so, all right, more intuitive. That was the type of player you were? Yeah, I think so. And do you see that disappearing from what we're watching on TV or? I think so, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not in, like you said, I'm not managing a baseball team. Right. I don't really pay attention a lot to the analytics. But what did you think of the World Series? What were your thoughts on it? Um, did you watch some of it? Most yeah, of it? no, I watched, okay. yeah, I watched as much as I could, but, um, it was, it was good. It was baseball. I don't know. I don't look at it. From... What do you think of the launch angles? When they talk about the, mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's an actual truth to it there, there, whether it's the approach of uh, less small game and driving the ball, you know, lifting the ball, hitting in the air. I mean, there's a definite change in approach. Uh, I believe if we videotape some swings, there's still a lot of absolutes and things that have always taken place, but the approach has changed, right? And so have you noticed, uh, did you notice like Boston's strategy to what I would call like the launch angle or kind of the, the power type swing? Do you notice where they're pitching in the strike zone? Um, up. Up to the baseball player is about where? Belly button high? Uh, yeah. I yeah. think so, right? Up to the softball players. Like what chest, would it be? Chest high? Oh, yeah. Letters, chest. You think it's time that maybe some of the baseball players learn how to hit a rise ball? <laughs> you know what? Yeah, actually. Because, uh, you know, how I am, I'm really not into making the same type of mistake over and over. And there was one stretch where I watched the Red Sox throw um, 13 out of 15 
pitches were fastballs. And out of those 13 fastballs in a, in a row, in those 15 pitch, in a 15 pitch span, uh, Dodgers either missed or fouled the ball underneath every single one of them. Might have taken one or two for a strike. But wow. Yeah. As a rise ball pitcher, you'd love that. Yeah, but, you, but like you never see a baseball hitter miss anything over the top. You know, no right. foul balls, no missing. It's, you know. Yeah. I don't know. And I, I don't. Tough. I don't have the stats in my mind of knowing um, where, you know, where the averages are now. What's the average? Average are the power numbers higher? The averages are lower. I don't know. I'm sure there's some people are listening that are that that know that stuff. So I don't know where the game's falling in place. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some changes here and there's some compromises. You know, in the end, I mean, the Dodgers didn't bunt to get to the World Series. They didn't bunt in the World Series. And they got to the World Series. They came in second place. So it's not like it all just failed. But I think it's interesting if – I wonder how much intuition is still in their decisions because I don't know if there's really – is there a metric for health and wellness? I mean, is there a metric for when somebody's not feeling like they're not embracing that moment? You know, there's – some people do or some people don't. I thought it was obvious that some pitchers were really engaged and they were in the moment and there were a couple of pitchers I don't want to name that just – to me, it looked like everything I learned now in our day and age is that they don't want to be there. Yeah. And the, the, the data might have suggested this matchup or that matchup, but it was just – and then for, as the fan, it was like, who do, we, who do we feel better losing with and who did we not want to lose with? <clears throat> Excuse me. That's, that's a question you ask as a coach is like, look, okay, if I make this decision in the end, who do we go down with? Not that you expect to go down, but if this game plays out, who am I going to feel best about the ball in that pitcher's hands? And I yeah. think that's something that goes through a lot of coaches' minds. So uh, I just, just think it's interesting that the high fastball, which in in our sport is a really low, low, low rise ball, and yeah, it gets hit. Mm-hmm. So as a, as a rise ball pitcher, Would, were there batters that would do something that would kind of tell you, ooh, maybe that's not not the time to throw a rise ball? Would it be an early swing, an, an approach, uh, they're just on it? Like, I mean, what percentage of batters really seemed like they had an answer for your rise ball? Not many? Not many, no. And it, the ones that did, like, were obviously going to be able to get up there. I feel like I was one of those rise ball kind of hitters. Um, I don't and know. and what, what allowed you to have success? What was... What was your approach towards the rise? Why would you say you, you had more success with that pitch? What was your approach? Um, I, I, I think I just was a little more upright. My hands stayed high, and I could adjust to the low pitch. But, I mean, we worked the rise over and over and over again, and I just I had a natural swing for it. And worked with it with in, in different aspects, teeth, cage, yeah, li- a lot of live stuff. You guys yeah. did a lot of live at UCLA, right? Um, Did you? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Not yeah. Lisa would throw occasionally, and okay. yeah. So when you say you worked at it, yeah, I would say like eighteen and under mostly. Okay, had a, like, oh, yeah. a little like was, rise ball yes. throwing machine, and our approach yeah. in the box was swing hard, pre-game. swing high, swing first pitch. Yeah. And your pregame uh, batting practice was kind of oriented around yeah. that, and so yeah, makes yeah. sense. So how would you, if you were passing on to players, what what would you suggest to them to be successful at the rise ball? There... Hitting the rise ball. Mm-hmm. Um, oh gosh, that's a good question. Um, I feel like you, it's a combination of being really patient, but also aggressive. Like you can't, the minute you hesitate on the rise ball, the top hand drops a little bit, or, you know, you bleed forward with the body and it gets by you a lot quicker than you anticipate. But Mm -hmm. if you let your eyes, or if you keep them real still and you, you know, you're aggressive at it. And I think that's where we, um, so you can see it well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See it well. Your hands are right there. It's coming right. up in your eyes. And I know right. as a rise ball hitter, I could crush that rise ball at my eyes, at my chin, my eyes, and a foot over my head. But the one from my waist to my letters, I I would struggle with. So it wasn't interesting. Yeah, it wasn't really just. But the you know, rise you did. You had a more upright stance. You were. Yeah. You weren't really leaned over too much. Mm-hmm. You weren't, and that's kind of interesting. Yeah. You know, you had a good hip turn, so I think that's important. I, I would uh, mention to people if you if you look at a video or just kind of stop frames, usually when you see a a strike or a, a batter not having success with a rise ball, uh, it's obvious that they're under it. But if you look at the timing aspect of it, they're they're late on it. Uh, so there are very 
there aren't a lot of successful rise ball pitchers in general, but there aren't a lot of successful rise ball pitchers who don't have a little something on the rise ball. You got to mm-hmm. get it past that yeah. bat. So I think a lot of people don't really think about swinging early on it, but I think that's that's part of this too. Is don't let that pitch get on you so so quick. Yeah. And you had a quick little handsy swing. You had a good little wrist yeah. snap, so you could pop that bat hit out there. Yeah. Yeah. So. And I loved the rise ball too. So yeah. I think where we mess up too is we hesitate on it. Yeah. Like you think in your mind, like, yeah. oh no, don't. Oh, but it looks too good. Yeah. I have to swing, and then you just have a real off swing. And... Now, now, a little more technical is how big is the difference between a rise ball that has the right destination point at the right height and what you call a jump and rise ball, right? That that has a little, maybe starts off a little bit lower, but through, I guess, spins and, and proper mechanics and things, that ball jumps a little bit. Those are two different types of rises? Yeah, I would say so, yeah. And how many jumpers do you see nowadays? Not a lot. Not, Not a lot. very many. Yeah, no. You think, you think it's... Uh, Anything to do with the distance? We've talked about this before. Yeah, I could talk hours about the distances and moving. And I don't think being at that distance makes a difference. I think the progression, getting back there. And I think just the progression through your pitches also. The rise ball takes so much um, timing and leverage and and finger work and wrist work. And we try to learn it at such a young age where we're not strong enough and quick enough to get that kind of, you know, body position. And so we... We create bad habits and we just throw high fastballs because the coaches want you at 10, 12 years old to throw a rise ball. And, you know, right. so I think we just progress to it too quickly and right. we don't really just kind of let it develop. You know, the, de- the destination of the pitch helps the coach that needs to win the game today because ultimately that's how you predict the outcome of that bat. But in the development of the pitcher, you know, I think uh, most people would agree that, you know, obviously the legs and the leg drive, but I think the, the wrist and the wrist snap and the fingers are unappreciated. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't hear that, you know, every time you do that. And I just, I, I love when you're doing that because I, <laughs> yeah. I tell people if they could watch you spin the ball, but being able to get, uh, you know, uh, a good spin rate on it. Um, have you seen any of the new, uh, like either rap Soto or, some of these gadgets I just and, yeah you know. I just started learning about it yeah well I mean I've seen them and I understand like spin you know um rate and all that but it's becoming a lot more well pretty pretty and, prevalent you know some of the yeah. best pitching coaches in college they're they're very involved in it and I, and I I there's a part of this that I really like because I think accurate information and information used the right way that's always going to enhance anything you know I think giving too many tools to the wrong people or you have information yeah. all over the place and then the the victim becomes the player but uh you know I think that's some some I, I think Amanda that there are are conversations and some strategies to be developed for what I would call the majority pitcher. So if you take 16 and 18 under kids that throw 57 to, you know, if I even say 59, they're like, oh, no, I don't throw 60. But there are so many pitchers out there that are in that pocket that I believe that there are ways to uh, create value for them and knowing that they're never going to throw 63 to 65. Uh, there are ways for them to be effective. There's a way for them to be a value to colleges, um, I really believe it's kind of up to us in the industry to continue to reinvent and kind of reinvent ourselves and help them because uh, as the game changes, you know, I'm a, I want to change with it. So I, I guess to finish up on the World Series, is I think that's going to be interesting what happens with now what's the counter move to the high fastball? You know, is there going to be some different teaching? Wouldn't that be great? Why wouldn't they take a, you know, Jess Mendoza used to like to swing at the high ball. So, you know, get her in there and get some, get some softball players in and go, look, here's what we would do, you guys, because... I think it was obvious that um, some of the guys had trouble hitting Jenny Finch's rise ball. Yeah. Did you ever throw to any pro batters? Um, not at the pro level. In high school, I did to a couple, like, well, oh, yeah. one of my good friends that went on to play yeah. pro, and they didn't, don't didn't touch they it. They don't like it. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. they don't like it. Well, you're certainly not going to throw them a strike. Right? They'll, <laughs> they'll, they'll crush that. Change so, up. Yeah. So, so anyways, yeah, world, interesting World Series, definitely uh, different. Um, so let's talk a little more about hitting. I was asking earlier about where you hit in the lineup, because I knew that you had, had managed the number two spot, but you said three years at UCLA, you hit in the number two spot, and one year you let off? Yes. So let's talk about the number two spot. Okay. All right. Um, Number two batter in the lineup, what's a little different? How does that differ from the leadoff or any other spot, like your responsibilities, the skills that you that you implemented? What was hitting number two like for you? I feel like overall I was kind of like I was an aggressive hitter, but I was pretty strategic. Like I knew that I wasn't gonna I wasn't going for a home run. I just wasn't that launch angle kind of a hitter. Um, but in that number one spot, 
it was have a good at bat, obviously, but I got to get myself on base, you know, and, and kind of bring um, a, a certain amount of confidence to the team. Like even if I went out the there, tone. yeah, even if I went out there and swung at that first pitch, as long as I was on time and I, you know, I put a good swing on it and I showed my team, like I'm jumping out there. I'm going to, you know, sure. Um, that message that's... that sent is, is, you know, can last the whole game if you, if you set the tone of the game. So yeah. it's as much of a message as anything else, right? No, definitely. And then number two was, you know, I, I had to wait to see, you know, Natasha Watley was my number one when I was number two. Christy Ambrosi was my freshman year when I came in. So two really, really great leadoff hitters. So let's go to Tosh. When Tosh yeah. got on first base, you pretty much knew that what was in one or two pitches was she going to steal and then were you going to bun her over? What was that? What was what did you typically Kind of a expect? combination. She was either going to take off or I was going to bun her over. And I think it was my, what year did I say? That would have been my junior year. Um, 2001. Yeah, I think I led the conference in sacrifice bunts because again, Natasha got on like every single time. And would you say equally to second and to third? Because would you say she had the speed to just straight steal second a lot? Uh, yeah, yeah, remember, totally. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. because a player's fast doesn't mean they always get jumps or they get, you know, so it doesn't always work out that way. But yeah, she would straight still second a lot. Oh, yeah, right. yeah, yep. So it, it just my bat was kind of like up in the air. So I'd go in assuming I'm going to put the sacrifice button down or get her over at some point. But then if she happened to get over second base, then it opened up for an RBI opportunity. Pretty good bunter. Who, me? Yeah, yeah. and okay. drag bunt. So that was the other thing. Stinky Fun. Bunt, yeah, right? Yep. Excellent. Um, how about uh, hit and runs, kind of short game, kind of easy, backing off the swing a little bit? What, did you guys do much of that? Yep. We did a lot of uh, just practicing, you know, shorten up, small swing, pepper it to the right side of the field, hit behind batters, bad angles. Um, did it a lot in the game, subtly, I guess. Two strikes, I'd choke up a little bit and just kind of poke it, mm-hmm. uh, make solid contact. But Did you find that as you went up the competitive ladder, like playing uh, the top team, so whether it was College World Series or facing the better pitchers, did did your role kind of get simplified a little bit or still pretty creative in the number two spot? Because you can do less with a better pitcher. But I think if you're yeah. good, you know, uh, she's got a little more giddy up. She's got more spin. <clears throat> Excuse me, not making as many mistakes. Not as easy. I think, I think you know, uh, I don't want to say getting fancy, but like doing things like the push bunt, different things like that, a little bit harder when you're facing yeah. someone that you can barely see the ball. So kind of kind of get you back to just almost a straight, just be able to move them over, right? The yeah. worst thing for a fan or a coach is to be in a situation where you're trying to move someone over and then you fail at it. You fell the ball off. You pop yeah. the ball up or whatever it is like that. So, But the skill work was important in number two. Yeah. Right. And I feel like because I practiced it very often that it was, um, I don't know, it just it came easy. Mm-hmm. Like I just assumed something was going to be, you know, fancy of some sort, whether it was a, a, a delayed drag bun or, you know, whatever it was. Um, How did you practice sense. when you were younger, 12, 14, 16? I mean, you had your... Great lesson time with me, but, <laughs> but how did you practice? Was it only team stuff? Was it stuff you did on your own? Your... Gosh, I did a lot on my own. We didn't really do a ton of team stuff that I can remember. Mm-hmm. I mean, we practiced. I remember practicing on the weekends, and we'd occasionally play doubleheaders or if we were in the tournaments. But um, aside from going to you and going to my pitching coach, I really didn't do a lot of midweek team stuff. And no, no, no T stuff? Do you have any... Yeah, I would do tea, home. so we'd hit a tire. So my parents nailed a tire to, um, yeah, the wood post in our backyard. Yeah. So we just go out in there and pound that a little bit. And um, we had a, a, we spray painted our cul-de-sac with bases. And so we would do random little, you know, games, fun, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, games sure. with the rubber ball. And sure. But it wasn't a thousand repetitions a week of hardcore training. And- no, no. My, my favorite thing ever, and I just started doing it again because it's so much fun. And it was um, across the street from my house. I, there's an elementary school and they've got the handball court. And so just taking the ball out there, I love just throwing it against the wall. Yeah. You know, get up close, get far, kind of do backhands, yeah. like yeah. just fun little glove work. Well, um, now you know that why, was a lot of why I brought that pitch back out in the, yeah, in the gym so out here. Fun. You see how many kids, yeah. yeah. There was, a, there was a, a young girl in here. She must have been nine or ten. Last night I went up to kind of watch what she was doing, and she had worked up a sweat on the pitch back. I mean, <laughs> yeah. she was having so much fun that she worked up a good little sweat. And, yeah. You know, and, and the work wasn't, I don't think it was intended, but she was just having a lot of fun. You know, uh, you said you don't, um, you weren't aware of your averages and stats like that, but I, I pulled them up just because I wanted to see kind of how your career looked at UCLA, and uh, not surprising. Um, 
really consistent. So the first thing that stands out is just consistency. I mean, over four-year period, your, your average was 321. Uh, you had a booming freshman year. That seems like that was the year that kind of came out. And any reason? Anything <sighs> about that year? Was it just a special year? You had four great years. But that was that was a little more special. About 360 with your batting average, and and yeah. you know all your runs scored all pretty pretty close. Uh, most of the other stuff, the productivity, <clears throat> all pretty same. But it seems like there's something popping out about that 1999 year. Oops, yeah. I mean 2009. <laughs> right. <laughs> God, if it one more year it would put me in the 2000s. Um, you know, there is something about your freshman year because you feel you feel unknown and you kind of feel invincible in a way, and mm-hmm. you kind of don't really get the gravity of the situation you're in. I mean, UCLA was the team at the time, one mm-hmm. of the top teams, mm-hmm. and um, I I knew that I belonged. So it was kind of a cocky confidence. Mm-hmm. But um, as the years go on, even though I was consistent, you do kind of feel like you start to overthink the game a little bit. Right. Um, I wouldn't say you overwork it, but maybe it had something to do with that. Those were the first couple of years that I've ever strictly done softball, right. you know, like right. it was always volleyball and soccer and, right. and a number of different things for me. And so going into my freshman year was still fresh off of that. And then by sophomore, junior, senior, it's, it become more of like a business maybe. I don't yeah. know. I'm just kind of, I'm speculating, yeah. but that makes sense. But, and, and interesting and not so much whether you were, uh, enjoyed it as much or didn't, but that, that phase has taken place at about 15 years old for a lot of yeah. the players nowadays where they become specialized a lot earlier and, uh, Became, the game becomes too much of a, more of a vehicle than it is a playground for them. And that's, that's kind of, yeah, we're, we're working on that. Uh, here's a, a very interesting one. And I, I've, I've mentioned this before, but my gosh, over the four years. So, so why, why, why do I suggest people just listen to what you have to say? You know, you take success and you listen to the stories of success. Everyone's got different um, recipes and different ingredients. But my gosh, in a four-year span... Uh, 0.94 ERA, yeah, under one. That's amazing, Amanda. Thank you. And you faced, you had uh, some of the best players in the game back then. Yeah, it was tough. My goodness. Um, a 27 uh, win year, a 28 win year. Uh, you came three three wins short of 100 wins for four years, and that's consistency and impressive. And you, you. Uh, did you battle some injuries? What, what yeah, year? Yeah, that's my junior year. Was that my junior year? Uh-huh. So your forearm? My senior. That? Yeah, it was my forearm. So I sat out a good month. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and yeah, and it was a it was it was a change yeah. when I came back. But. but my gosh, so congratulations and well deserved on the induction to the Hall of Fame Thank at UCLA, you. and you know, Thank and you. that body of work in front of you. I mean, that's not who else was inducted with you? I think it was Larry Farmer one. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Nikki Blue. Um, Kevin Chapel golf. Yeah, it was a fun class. Stella Sanford. So tell me what that was like that night. Oh my god. It was um it it was like opening up a time capsule to your entire like life. You know, I felt like I felt so much pressure in the moment there just because I felt like this was my chance to wrap it all up in a bow, you know, cuz you never mm-hmm. when I left the game and I know I talked a little bit about this, but when I walked away in Japan was my last game and uh, I didn't know at that time that that was going to be the last game I ever played. So I went home. I assumed I was going to be going back out to Japan. And wasn't the leaving the cleats at home plate? No, uh, I I didn't get a chance to do any of that. And you know, kind of life just happened. And then I moved on. And all of a sudden, I realized like, okay, I'm, I'm done. You know, I don't know that I was necessarily ready. I was, but I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, the timing it's a tough was, place to be. Yeah. Right. So I never had a chance to. Say my thank you, say my goodbyes, do, you know, do the crying at the, on the field in your last game, like, you know, whatever it is that people do to say goodbye. Like, I just, inside, I really mourned, and I, like, um, not that I was resentful, but I never felt complete in, you know, yeah, my, that's not my uncommon. career. Yeah, right. so this closure. really gave me closure to be able to go up there to get this, because you that's said awesome. it was like a, a, like a real heartbeat yeah. to my career, I sure. feel like. And so to be able to say the goodbyes and the thank yous that I needed to say, and, you know, it, it was a really nice closure Did you really, uh, do you feel like you enjoyed the night? Or was it, as you mentioned, a little stressful to make sure you wrapped it up the right way? How were you? A how'd you, how'd you experience it? It was a little of both. I'm, 
I'm like a details person. So right. leading up to it, it was like planning a mini wedding. So right. are the RSVPs in? Who's coming? Who's right. not? I forgot to invite this person. Did this person get my invite? It was all of those things. Um, does you, does Joe, your great husband, um, stay out of the way? Does he nod politely? Does he just help you any way he can? What's... He, he helps. He tries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he tries. But when you're in the mode. Yeah. You know, right. I got to get the right dress and, sure. you know, all those things. So the preparation, right. Yeah. But then once we got there, it was easy. It was good. Um, I've never been so nervous to walk up there and speak in front of a group ever in wow. my life. Really? Ever. Yeah. It, I, because I didn't of think what I the night was? Or... Yeah. Because of who I was surrounded with and what I was about to say. And, you know, like I said, like this was my, I felt like this was my opportunity to wrap it up. I don't want to forget anything. I don't want to forget anybody. I want it to come out clean. I want everybody to know what this means means to me. Uh Um, So there was a lot of pressure that I put on myself surrounding that. Uh But in all, it was awesome. So you feel like at the end of the night, you took care of what you needed to? Did you, uh, well, you made notes, obviously, right? Uh, Yeah, I made notes. Um, Just take a little piece of paper up there with you. Oh, yeah, I took the whole thing. I think it was like most people like do because I think for that reason, like you just, sure. usually I would just, you want to blank in the moment from the heart, right. you know? Yeah. Not but what if, what if you, what if you blank? Right. <laughs> yeah. And even with my paper, I kind of found myself like blacking out at times. Like, yeah, but yeah, wow. it all worked out. Could and... Just imagine that. Yeah. Well, yeah. good for you though. Congratulations. You. And I guess, uh, well earned because there have been so many great players. Do you know how many UCLA softball players in the hall of fame? I don't, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think it's a ton. Yeah, I know there's a good share because the program's been so. But to be to be in that mix, and I, I, that's something I want to look up. But to be in that mix, I bet it's a pretty special group. So yeah. you know, pretty awesome I'm super stuff. Honored. So let's go to um, oh gosh, a current hot topic, and that's recruiting in in the NCAA nowadays. Or recruiting or transfers, kind of kind of the um, all state of the union. But now we're. And I'm not the most versed guy as far as rules go and regulations and exactly, so I just kind of steer clear of a lot of things. But now there's um, definitely a, a, a pretty high number of transfers, so players going from program to program, um, leaving programs. Uh, obviously, we know that coaches, you know, it's an employment for them, so coaches, um, there's a lot of factors. There's, this is a big story here, and part of what I like to use these podcasts for are to Educate and provide information so that our our people that who listen can get something from it and and help them navigate you know their experience where they're going through, and so it's not I'm not a guy like uh, you know tell people what they should do. It's I think for me what sticks in my mind, uh, Amanda is is principle and kind of how what we do in softball how it relates to the real world. So I think we get kind of skewed in in softball. We we uh, we. The, very recently get promised scholarships at a very young age, kind of front-end deals, a promise for this. Uh, there's, you know, stipulations now where you know, the can't, money can't be taken away. Uh, you can transfer uh, out. And it the, the question that I have and where I, I want to admit that I'm more going to be more old school is we're always preparing our kids for real life down the road. And... What should someone put up with? What should someone tolerate? When should someone leave? And that's a very general question I'd ask people out there. When do you advise your friends to get out of a relationship? When do you advise your friends to leave a job? Is it, oh, that's wrong, get up and leave now? Is it, uh, and then the criteria for leaving and exiting. So there's different different things that we do in life. Uh, in physical therapy, we used to um, work with what we called within normal limits. Okay, you used to be able to raise your hand straight above your head. Now you can only raise it like to your shoulder. That's not within normal limits. Can't go back to work yet. All right, raise it to a certain degrees. Boom, okay, that's within normal limits. You can go back to work. Life has good and bad. Okay, there's good and there's, I guess, outside of normal limits, good, extreme. And then there's the crud of life, and then there's outside of normal limits crud. And the question I have is, are we, are we losing that line? So that as soon as something starts to come over here and it starts to sound like, I don't like this anymore. And I want to be very respectful to this generation 
So I'm of an older generation. So I'm, it's not fair for me to say that what my mindset is and the way that I was raised is what you guys should do because there's going to be an instant retort of like, well, you don't know what it's like to be, you know, 22 and to in 2018. But what are your thoughts on kind of what's happening and, and your views? And, and if we were to talk about how you're going to raise your kids, so it's not so much the advice you'd give to everyone out there needs to do it, but what, what are your views on some of these? Yeah, it's, I feel like in the last couple of weeks, I have gone everywhere um, in my thoughts on this because initially I wanted to say, we're too soft. You know, why are we so quick to jump out of an uncomfortable situation because something's different? And I don't think that's fair to um, say that that is, you know, the norm. Right away, pointed at the kids, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, But raising my daughter, I think everything you just said, I and both my kids, I... Life was, life is not, it's not easy, you know? And I remember times in college where I, I wanted to quit and I, and I know everyone's going to do, you just won a national championship. And, but you know, hard is different for everybody and we all view it and feel it differently. And there were times where I felt like I wanted to quit the game because it got hard and I was, you know, frustrated. I didn't think things were right and it was too hard. And, um, but I'm so glad I stuck it out, you know, but that's not the case for everybody. I just hope, I hope one that recruiting, the, the changes in recruiting kind of help with the process because I think now you, you're, well, you're committing later, so you have a better idea. You know, it's not always going to work out that they're there, but I think you weigh your options a little bit better so that way when you get there, I don't know, you're more... Right, more relation- prepared for more than just playing the game, right? And, and, yeah. and things on a bigger level. What, what was it that... For me, you being honest about, hey, I reached that point when I thought about it, that makes it now relatable. So you're not on the outside giving opinions based on principle. And then I, as a young female player, uh, don't relate to you. It's like, no, she actually felt that too. So why didn't you quit? So what kept you from quitting? So what what that, you know, knowing the way that you felt and, you know, everyone's got the lowest point of their career. And I think every player thinks at some point, hey, you know, maybe I don't want to play this game anymore. So what kept you from quitting? Honestly, for me, it just wasn't an option. Like, my teammates, you know, I knew I had to put in, you know, perspective that it was a phase that I was going through. And um, I remember it was the fall of my sophomore year. And I think it was the fall of my sophomore year. And I just remember sitting in my apartment with my roommate thinking, like, I think I'm done. Like, I feel like I'm done. Like, I just can't keep doing this. But um, but then it was my teammates, and it was it was – I don't know. I think I was just, I was a little bit emotional about, I don't know, the hard things. It's, it's hard to but think. It's, but it sounds that, like but the, that bottom line was that it's not an option, that no matter what you were feeling, it's not, yeah. I don't cross this line. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, and, and I, yeah. And so part of uh, um, uh, a message to some players, it's like, look, you know, and, and part of, take a little bit of what I had mentioned is there are times when you have to change. There are times when you have to do things. Keep everything on a relative scale. I don't know what that is, what circumstances. I can tell you that's a type of circumstances. It's, again, look at if you're, we're giving advice to someone. Um, just compare it to that. You know, because I don't want to call it my concern, but how does this lead to longevity and perseverance in the workplace? I mean, people are going to be people. And if what is making you unhappy is the dynamic that there are unhappy people that sometimes are in charge, there are insecure people that, you know, wow, for, could wish better things for themselves and they're not always the most pleasant to be around. You know, let me give it advice to maybe some parents of eight-year-olds out there that like that. we got a big eight-year-old audience. But um, if you're subconsciously looking for fault and blame, and that will be linked to your uh, happiness and uh, overall self-esteem, stay out of softball. Softball's too volunteer-based. Uh, we're a long way away from, from at the grassroots level, really certifying coaches and demanding that and making sure, you know, we, we really work hard on accountability on our end from uh, in our organization, but uh, we're a long way away from having everybody be qualified to have, uh, you know, kids in their hands. I mean, who am I going to promise? What set of parents am I going to promise that their coaches are not going to make a mistake? Just under that premise. And so if you're looking for fault and blame, and you walk in with a loaded gun, we just set the, the timeline. It's going to happen 
sooner than later that somebody's going to make a mistake. Okay, uh, I feel like I say this over and over in the seminar. Sticks and stones may break my bones, words will never hurt me. It's, it's not true anymore. It really becomes as interpreted as. So I hear more and more stories interpreted as a bully now, you know, where... Um, in the old days, does anyone remember the bully was the one that would just go up to you on the playground and call your racial name and punch you in the face? That was that was a bully, <laughs> and, and I and I get it. I'm not I'm not being anti-sensitive to the bully campaign, but it, we're distorting some things. And 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 the perseverance. Uh, let's just say what it takes, like in, in motherhood, to bear a child, and what you experience, what I was able to see, and that strength, that perseverance, that resiliency, that that incredible survival skill that we all have. And you're a parent. You don't want your kids to hurt. I certainly don't want my kids to hurt. But we have to allow a certain amount of that, you know. And I, as a parent, would be the first one to, gosh, I could probably give you 20 to 30 to 50 to 100 things that um, I'm not good at or wish I would have done differently or, you know, my kids didn't get the benefit of because I didn't. I mean, nobody's perfect with that. But I just think we're setting up a trap. And it's only going to be a matter of time before somebody does this to you. And so if it's a matter of, I don't like it here anymore, but where are you going to like? <laughs> yeah. You know, where, what's the next environment going to be? The best part of the next environment is the change. And the best part of the next environment is that bad things haven't happened. So you have a clean slate so far. But if the expectation is that no one's going to be human and make a mistake. So, and we're not talking about repeated patterns of behavior, someone that has a long history of, no, we're talking about sometimes bad discretion in a moment when someone's emotional. So the message that I really want our, our parents who listen to this more than our kids is that if we can draw the line between taking things personal and really ask yourself, was this meant personally? If you can answer me and say, yeah, no, I actually think he meant this personally towards me. Yeah, I think that he has a personal issue with me. And, and, and okay, that's what we have documentation for. That's what we do have you know, actual lawyers for. That's what we do have ed- administrators for to say, hey, let's, let's look at the situation. And there's something outside of normal limits here. And I'm speaking just in general uh, terms of guidelines that work in like that they always work for our cultures. You know, I was speaking with Melissa at Roth this morning, and, and we talk about the, I think we came up with, the, I've mentioned before, there's seven hats that you have to wear to be a, a travel coach. And you're not going to want all, to wear all seven of them. And you're not going to be good at all seven of them. But any one of them can sink your ship. If you do not uh, understand how to administrate, if you don't understand the political concept in our industry, if you don't understand recruiting or don't commit to it, if you don't understand how to manage finances, oh, yeah, you don't know how to coach the game at a high level. There, there's, there's six or seven different areas that if you're weak at any one of them, you could lose families to another operation that's good in other areas. And so um, I think that's, that's what I want our kids to hear. So your piece that you just did with Ali Bunker mm-hmm. on our website, and I told you, is arguably one of my favorite pieces, of, if not my favorite piece of all time. And I think what pops through is, number one, you nailed it with who you, who you interviewed. You nailed it with the questions that you asked her. And she nailed it with her answers, which to me just reflect her upbringing. And it's not to say that Greg and Mary Ellen Bunker are better parents than anyone else. I, I'll say they're better than me. But, uh, um, <laughs> me too at this point. You know, but, <laughs> but you know, we all need examples and models. And if you were to listen to Greg Bunker, just talk because... You know, a conversation with Greg Bunker, I hope you listen to this, Greg, is, is, is not this emotional roller coaster. It's very factual. It's very black and white. It's very detailed. Yeah, he has emotion. He's a good guy. But it's just, it is what it is. And then to watch this daughter come out and, and so far, I mean, we'll follow Allie's story. But uh, if anyone wants to, please go to firecrackersopple.com and look at the, look at the uh, it's an article with Allie Bunker about being a freshman in college. And she just talks about her attitudes and views on some of the things that are happening up in Oregon, which again, it's common now in softball, a lot of changes, a lot of movement. College coaches have always moved, yeah. right? Absolutely. Since you remember? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, everyone's looking for the next best opportunity. Some are just looking to go closer to home. A bunch of, you know, really, uh, I don't know, prominent assistant coaches want that head coaching position. Like people are always looking to move. Rarely do you find coaches I think that are there and they're good so in in my willingness to learn uh you know it's 
potentially true that the story that we're going to tell in a few years is that, look, okay, the business has changed. So just adapt and adapt to it not being so personal. Adapt to you not being liked and loved and, and included in family-type structures. Adapt to the fact that this is very business-like. And when you do your job, you know, things will be great. If you don't do your job, they can exit you as quick as you exit them. And and our job will be to prepare people for that, for um, – for just whatever the industry has, I, I just always want to adapt. I mean, I don't. I, we yeah. all live on principles and our upbringings and our ideas of right and wrong. But I want to be able to always adapt and stay on the front end of this business, not be chasing things. And I think that's something that was we've always done. But um, pretty interesting. Yeah. What's going on? I feel for not just coaches. I feel for families. I feel for how can you be a professional parent if you don't know what one is? How could you be a professional athlete? well-rounded if you've never been around one so it's not it's not fault it's there our responsibility to put these examples in front of people so that they can choose to learn and look if the information's there and you choose not to learn it's all on you right you know it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's up to you our organization is what it's not mandatory learning it's it's plug in for power if you don't plug in you don't get power you plug in off the top of my head i'm going to say that there isn't anybody that's brought me a situation or asked me a question that we couldn't answer and provide some type of support or guidance for and that's all really we want to do so so it's a little bit on the recruiting stuff so anyways uh, 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 keep the faith out there people and 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 I would say for me remember the normal limits kind of concept and you know and listening to Amanda uh, she's human she's got a relatable story uh, you know but you listen to her childhood and kind of the terms that she played this game on and and don't lose don't lose sight of that because bottom line is when this game isn't fun anymore we can blame everybody, but let's just work hard to make this fun. And parents and coaches, we have to work together, okay? We're all going to make mistakes. Instead of pointing the finger at each other, let's keep working with each other. So, um, All right, let's, we're going to kind of get close to wrapping this up. I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, just ask you what you got coming up. You said you've got a pitching clinic this Friday? Yeah, so, we're going to go up to Fresno and all right. tap into some pitchers up there and kind of try one and day? do things. Yeah, just one day, Friday. Um, yeah, and then I'll head out to Pennsylvania in December for a coaches convention. I love doing coaches conventions. I just love being able to talk face to face and answer questions, and you know, Good. it's a different atmosphere, and I really enjoy that. But and where is that in Pennsylvania? Mannheim. Mannheim. And if I am not mistaken, Spooky Nook. Spooky, Spooky Nook. Nook. It's one of those. That's it's one, one of those, those huge indoor. You've done this one before? Hotel. No, it's no. the first time they're doing it. You ever done "Be the Best You Can Be," Cherry Hill? No. So. I like the I like those big rooms. I like when the yeah. the energy in there and you know it's yeah. pretty exciting. I've done the Mohican Sun one. That one's a lot of Where's fun. Where's that? Uh, New Jersey. New Jersey. It's a big Indian reservation, I think, out Got there. It. Yeah. So maybe the maybe you'll get some snow when you're over there. I hope not. Right. We'll see. <laughs> um, okay, we are gonna finish with now what I call the fun stuff. So I'm gonna oh. ask you some some just some off the wall kind of questions that we get to we get to learn a bit a little about you. All right. Uh, oh, this is an easy one. What's your favorite ice cream flavor? Oh, chocolate multi crunch. Chocolate multi crunch. All right. Or de- mint and chip. De- def- definitely. Um, what's your favorite holiday? Oh, I mean Christmas. Christmas? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. My birthday is the day after Christmas. That's so it's right. kind of like just the whole, I just like the holiday season. So how many From times have like you November been asked? through December. Yeah, well, that, 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 that's, that's yeah. it, right? And, and so did you like or not like that your, uh, birthday got thrown in with a Christmas present or do you just grow up with it and that's what you're used to yeah I think I'm just used to it my mom was always adamant about making sure they were separate because you saw your brother and and sister had two I mean did you ever yeah but it never really occurred not really a scorekeeper like that good for you yeah now I'm just like can we just not celebrate I'm tired from Christmas you know let's forget about it who's your favorite athlete oh my favorite athlete think of who's made impressions on you in the past Nadia Komenich. Komenich. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. I wanted to be an Olympian because so that's I watched purely her from, video. From the Olympics? You, so well, watching watched, her video. Yeah. She's had a little movie called Nadia. I don't know if anybody's seen it. Okay. I loved it. Would watch it all the time. And I think that's kind of where the Olympics got from my mind. But of course, I thought I was going to be a gymnast. Around <laughs> what age? Uh, that had to have been like 8 to 10. 8 okay. to 10, 11. 
because you were, I want to say 11, you might have been 12, but, and I think I mentioned this one in the podcast, but you, I asked you what you wanted to do and you told me you're going to play in the USA, the Olympic softball team. Really? And See, I, I took a, I took a picture, oh my gosh, and it was, it's going to sound funny. I took a Polaroid of you, uh, <laughs> in the corner of my yard, you were wearing your, uh, athletics, uh, shirt, your sweatshirt and, and I took that picture and then when you had your, um, your softball card for the USA team. So you guys have your little, your oh, little cards. Yeah. I had it next to the picture that I took. So it was, I don't know, 10 or so, whatever years later, but that was pretty cool wow. to kind of watch that. Yeah. Cool. What is, um, what are your pet peeves? Oh, man. I, yeah. I Ooh, she's boiling just thinking about it. What comes to your mind? Um, flaky people. Flaky people. Yeah. Like no concern for like other people's schedules. That's a big pet peeve of mine. Okay. Um, Talking on your cell phone in a gym. Interesting. Like, put your cell phone away. Get off the phone. What about at uh, at meals and dinners and stuff in restaurants? No phones? Yeah. Or are you okay? It's common etiquette now people are. Yeah. Joe used to have a real problem with that. I'm like, Joe, you got to turn it off. But now we kind of... You're like, I just, I need to show you something. And I'll be like, yep, me too. <laughs> well, it's what's <laughs> weird. It like five minutes. And then but we'll it's weird right. because I, I find myself, yeah, the principle of no phones at the table, right? But then somehow what's on the phone is related to the conversation we're having. And you just want to, oh, I just want to show you where it's so quick. for. Oh, I just want to, well, look at, oh, if they sent me a tip. Yeah. And, and so I'm going to put my kinda, phone in the kitchen when I sleep, but I need my alarm. You know, just, it's, yeah, they're tricky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of interesting. <laughs> what is your... What is your most embarrassing childhood memory? Oh, my gosh. Think of that one. Some, something that either happened in school, at home, on the field. Did you ever fall on your face? Did you ever? Wow, I like that there's nothing. Yeah, one. I don't know if I, I don't have one that sticks out. Hmm. Maybe I just didn't care. <laughs> I'll, uh, sure, I did embarrassing things. Let me think about it. I'll take yours. I'll take yours for you. First day of uh, Little League opening day, parents dropped me off at the park. All I wanted was a slushie from the snack bar. There was something about the chicken, no, not the, the tortilla strips and the slushies. So I got myself a nice red slushie. And come on, anyone that knows me knows that I spilled that slushie on my white pants uh, <laughs> and sitting there. And I mean, dumped the whole thing like all over my pants. I had no parents there, had no anything. There was no cell phones. And I remember just kind of looking up. I don't know. I did this stuff with regularity, so I wasn't freaking out about it. And a coach walked by me and said, son, are your parents here? And I said, no. And he goes, son, come with me. Oh. I could have been abducted right there. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> walked out to the back of his car and he gave me a pair of, uh, he gave me a pair of uh, white pants and I was, I was okay after that. Oh my so, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So there, I, I took yours for you. Okay. Uh, what's your favorite movie? If you had one movie to take with you one on One movie. <sighs> perpetual plane ride. Oh, God, that's so hard. I feel like it's it like goes with like different, you know, I don't know, generations or ages. Mm -hmm. But um, Goonies is one of my all-time favorites. Goonies? You remember Goonies? Interesting. Uh -huh. Gladiator. I love Gladiator. Gladiator. All right. Yeah. It's a Russell uh, Crowe. Mm-hmm. You know, I like in that one is, um, gosh, John knows the name, uh, the guy that played the... Uh, Joaquin? Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Walking. I feel like that Phoenix? was the first movie, Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah. That I saw him. He's in. He just kind of a. To me. Yeah, he's kind of a good creepy. He's yeah. very, very intense. Like and, slimy. And uh, yeah, he does a he does a good job. All right, a couple more. If I was to ask you, what's the best advice that you've ever received? Anything come to mind? Best advice. Mm -hmm. Something you might have heard growing up, um, didn't really think much of it. You really think about it more now. Could have been one-liner from a coach. Um, I think maybe something along the lines of the whole embarrassing thing. But what is that saying? Um, those that those that mind don't matter, and those that matter don't mind. Have you heard that Ooh, saying before? That's a good one. Yeah. It's so yeah. like, you just be, be who you're going to be. Like, life is hard. Like, you do a lot of really crappy and embarrassing things and regretful things. And yeah. the people who really matter in your life are not going to care. And they're you Don't know, still going to be there. And yeah. You know what? We're going to wrap it up on that one. That was very, yeah. that was profound right there. I love it. Amanda, thank you. Uh, listen, we're going to uh, be 
pulling you in and out. And so looking forward to more things that you're doing. Um, definitely shining the light on different aspects of you and uh, appreciate everything that you do for us. Um, we're going to wrap this up and then I'm actually going to see if we have time. Not At one point we're going to pull you in the cage though and do another in the cage session. We'll talk cool. a little bit more about the game. There's so awesome. many different things to talk about. So keep up the great work and uh, we'll see you in here again soon. Thank All right. you. Thank you. Thank you.